Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing? Good. You? I, you still look like Woody from the Toy Story. <laughs> Listen, I've been enjoying Stampede. It's been <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been eight years probably since I've had a Stampede like this. And it's you've decked up. Normally, yeah. we get one hat for the whole week, and that's it. You've got a whole like armoire wardrobe picked out. That's yeah, right. well yeah. done. Yeah, well, I was trying to be a real cowboy for eight days, anyways. I think ten. most people didn't <clears> anticipate <throat> how busy and how packed. The stampede right. uh, was going to be right, and I don't think most people kind of anticipated how the markets were going to be given this little run-up we've had and what's been going on. And I think we're going to make some sense of that. We do have to make some sense of that. We've got a terrific guest, a recurring guest, that's going to help us uh, understand a little bit about the market setup this year and where we're going to go or where we anticipate we could be going for the last half of this year. So Andrew McCreeth um, is the CEO, CIO of First, uh, Forge First Asset Management, is joining us. Uh, and Andrew, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome, David. And Faisal, I want to congratulate you on what a segue you just did from the stampede into markets. You must be a radio host. <laughs> We're learning. Yeah, We're learning. That's right. I mean, let's talk. Let's let's maybe uh, talk a little bit about that. You know, there's um, the, the stampede we were talking off uh, off air. Perhaps the most attended ever uh, on the very first day of Stampede. You know, we there, we hear a lot about recession in the in the uh, in the lingo today in the headlines, and but people are out and doing things. It's a confusing market, really. All it, overall, it is a confusing market. Yeah. So let's start making some sense of this overall. Andrew, we'll go to you right off the bat. What what are you seeing in the markets today that maybe has caught you by surprise? And what when we had this conversation at the beginning of the year? Well, just very quickly, I mean, clearly the province of Alberta is in a is in a cyclical upturn and you have to differentiate what's going on in Alberta from other provinces or states within the United States. Similarly, the stock market uh, has exhibited the same sort of bipolar uh, uh, performance on a year to date basis. I mean, we, we all know that during uh, the first five months of this year, um, seven stocks were driving the market higher um, and the rest of the market was actually down on a year-to-date basis through the end of May. Not much, a percent and a half, but it was down. And of course, I should clarify, I'm talking about the S&P 500, not the TSX. And I'm referring to the S&P 500 because that's the market I spend most of my time looking at because it is a broadly diversified market versus here in Canada where you've got, you know, 30% financials and 30% resource stocks, uh, you know, making up 60% of the market. Um, but when one looks at the performance from January 1st to the end of May, um, it was all multiple expansion with the exception of NVIDIA that drove those seven stocks higher. Uh, the multiple on those stocks went from 21 times to 35 times. 35 minus 21 is 14, divided by 21, the starting PE. That's a two-thirds increase in the PE multiple, and those stocks as a group were up roughly two-thirds on a year-to-date basis. Then during the month of June, we started to see not a lot of trimming of those seven stocks, but definitely a little cash put to work in some other stocks because of the belief, the growing belief at that time that we were going to see inflation go to where the Fed wants it to go, the Fed cut interest rates, and there'd be not a soft landing, 
but no landing in the U.S. economy. In other words, Goldilocks. I'm sure we'll chat about, you know, Goldilocks, yes or no in a few minutes. But I think that, you know, David and Faisal, I think that lays out sort of the progression of markets to where we are today. So when you look at what's what's been going on throughout the year, and I think you, you've nailed it when you said these big seven stocks have been the big push of the overall S&P index, the S&P 500. When you now look at June and you start seeing that a bit broader, the breadth is getting a bit wider. You're starting to see other <laughs> other uh, names coming into the forefront. Um, where are we at this point in time? Are we at a point where um, bonds have done decent this year, stocks have done decent this year, uh, and I'm speaking broadly speaking, or, or do you see something different than the market sees? Because you've always told us, and we've had many conversations, there's a lot of information that the market kind of just overlooks or, or doesn't even pay attention to. So are you seeing something different than what the market's seeing? Well, first and foremost, John Maynard Keynes said, you know, the markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Uh, he said that about 90 years ago, um, and it's so true. Uh, but when one looks at the job that you have as an investment advisor and I have as a fund manager, it's imperative that we be dogmatic about the management of client capital as, a, you know, excuse me, pragmatic, not dogmatic, uh, with respect to the management of uh, a client capital. A bit of a Freudian slip there, I guess. Huh? Anyway, all joking aside, I have had a view that inflation would stay sticky and that the Fed would not be cutting interest rates um, and in fact, maybe increasing them, but that the economy was gonna slow down and that was gonna cause negative earnings revision, which in turn was gonna push the already, you know, relatively high price earnings multiple of the market, forget those seven stocks, um, even higher. Now, what has happened? Well, we mentioned, or I mentioned that during the month of June, the market started to buy the, the pitch that everything was gonna go its way and we were gonna move into a Goldilocks environment, and that has certainly helped stocks. Earlier this week, we saw a CPI print that got the market downright giddy. Um, the question is, is it sustainable? Is it, is it, is it a inflection, an inflection point for the economy that is gonna enable Goldilocks to be a realization, which then the bulls will say, there's a lot more upside in the market. I don't want to be dogmatic about it. I want to be pragmatic about it. My team at Forge First, we had a long discussion about this yesterday. Uh, you know, we're of the view that it's too, too early to declare victory, but it was a very good print. Now, it was an easy comp on a year-over-year -year basis. In other words, when one looked at the June data relative to the June data last year, the June data was really high, and therefore it was an easy comp, a low bar to beat, and it did beat it, but it actually beat it more than expected. So uh, I would say that murky's the water for a guy like me who's thinking inflation is gonna be persistent for longer. As a result, a few weeks ago, we shifted the portfolios a little bit um, so that we increased our net exposure a little. Um, and you know, it was not in you know resource stocks or whatever, it was in quality GARP stocks. In other words, growth at reasonable price comma, quality companies, uh, dividend-paying companies, um, with the exception of Air Canada, uh, <laughs> which certainly should be able to pay a dividend given the prices they charge. Anyway, all joking, all joking aside, um, with the markets trading where they are, 
you really need to see perfection in execution of the variables that the market is is believing the market's moving towards to uh, towards I should say um, because when you take out the tech stocks the market's now trading at 18 and a half times forward earnings which you know is at the high end of the range for that non-tech part of the market uh, period let alone when you get bond yields where they're trading at so the risk reward um, isn't as good as it was a little while ago but I'm also aware that I would have said that same statement that while ago too. So I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Um, you know, our job is to generate a competitive net return and protect capital when markets get rougher. I do believe we're in the part of the market cycle where active management, active advice is of paramount importance uh, to advisors. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to do business with you two, you two gentlemen for years. And I know that, you know, you look at your practice on a client by client basis, as opposed to, oh, here's the recipe for all my clients. You know, you have that sort of holistic approach, which is imperative, give, given that clients all have different needs and desires. Um, but we're at that point in the cycle where the easy money's been made. You got to be careful. You need active management. Andrew, let's start with uh, with maybe uh, the risks, if you would. Um, you know, we, we have seen inflation coming down. Uh, easy comps, as you've said, We've had the Bank of Canada guide that it might take longer than they originally anticipated before it falls back to their uh, their target rate of 2%. Walk us through the current environment, what you and your team members are looking at from a risk perspective, where you see the biggest risks and what investors should keep their eyes on. Well, first and foremost, two quickies. And for where I've certainly been surprised, negatively surprised relative to my positioning and thought process at the beginning of the year was the mania of AI which of course drove those seven stocks that we talked about in the previous segment. Uh, and then secondly, um, I was assuming the market would negatively react, react negatively uh, to the Fed not cutting interest rates the way the market was expecting, and the market ended up going up. Anyway, that's life. Where do we go from here? The reason I mentioned that second variable uh, relates to, I think, the key point going ahead. Yes, the, the roadmap to 3.5% core inflation in the States, in Canada, is relatively easy. Going down towards the twos, below twos, I think it is going to be a lot tougher. I think that the labor market remains pretty tight. Yes, it's not as tight as it was, but it's still quite tight. And that's being driven by supply, not demand. And consequently, I think wage growth is going to continue to be a little sticky here. So... I believe that inflation is going to be, you know, it's it's not going to lay down and die, shall we say. I think it's, it's not going away. And so I think the Fed is going to hang around longer than people think. Now, Andrew, can I just jump in there really quickly? Because a lot of your peers in the industry are, are saying deflation, not even disinflation, but deflation. You're not in that camp. You still see inflation being sticky, not deflation. I would say uh, for the foreseeable future, yes. I mean, obvious, and, and again, it's got to do with labor supply. Remember, the U.S. dollar is starting to fall here. That will, with a lag, import a little inflation too. Thirdly, energy prices. Um, you know, the widowmaker trade, trade being long energy stocks. Um, you know, when you get oil in the 70s here and you get nobody wanting to own energy stocks, that's when one 
may want to consider owning a little energy. But the commodities, I think, likely have upside, not downside here. Not a lot, not a lot. But for oil to go back into the 60s, the economy has to, you know, take the deep dive south. And for now, it clearly is not doing that. So I would say the risk remains the same. Um, I would have said it six months ago, guys, and I would have been wrong from a market perspective, but right from a factual perspective. But we all know facts don't matter. It's, hey, how'd you do? Um, uh, but now that the market's trading at, you know, 18 and a half times forward X tech stocks, those big seven trading at 35 times forward earnings, I got to think there's a little less margin for error. If the economy does weaken in 24, the consumer is going to run out of the excess savings by the end of this year. Um, CapEx plans are a little sloppy at this juncture. You know, we all know about the commercial real estate market. And we all know about the mortgage market in Canada where ballpark 20% matures every year, rolls up to those higher rates. I think a risk is in the private credit space. I would not want to own private credit. I would say, why do you want to own private credit when you're getting paid 5% on a GIC? What's the point? So um, I would say the risks are inflation staying, you know, continuing to stay sticky, the Fed not cutting interest rates at all, and at some point the market having a problem with that. Secondly, uh, the potential slowdown in the economy, uh, which has taken longer, always seems to take longer, but I think that would be impactful on uh, private credit. This is where Dave's blood pressure starts to go down because you're identifying all the risks, helps him sleep at night. Mm. What bothers me out there is when we keep on talking about risk, we don't look at opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity still. One thing that I really value about your process is looking at companies with free cash flow and the growing of that free cash flow and so forth. There are companies that are doing that out there, but tell me what you see as opportunities, not only companies that are growing their free cash flow, but where are the opportunities from this point going forward? Because I believe that there's, a, there's quite a bit out there. Well, you know, I, I mentioned energy being the widowmaker trade and, and uh, um, you know, obviously we, we manage two funds at Forge First. We manage the long short fund and the conservative fund. And no question, the long short fund, um, shall we say, was challenged during the back half of last year um, as a result of having a little too much energy. So I don't want to sound like a broken record or I don't want to sound like a bull at all. But at these prices, I think energy is a little interesting here. Um, uh, point number two, I think the industrials continue to be kind of interesting. Uh, Air Canada is just going to be printing money. Um, you know, I read, I read recently that uh, customers in Canada are going to pay 60, 60% more for, air, for their airline uh, costs this year relative to 2019. Uh, air Canada is likely to increase forward guidance. Uh, stocks trading around $25. I definitely think it goes a bunch higher. In the medium term, I think CP Rail is going to be very interesting. There's a lot of sloppy stuff with its numbers this year, uh, you know, because partially, the least of which is because of the, the, the terminal strike in Western Canada that hopefully has been resolved. Um, but there's other issues too. But in the medium term, CP Rail looks really good. So I would say energy, industrials uh, would be two areas of interest. It's too early to be particularly interested in banks unless 
you want to look at a you know a six percent seven percent yield in Canada and are willing to own it for a couple of years because obviously they they have a benevolent regulator they're not going to go out of business um, and ultimately the cycle will turn. So there you go. There's opportunity still in in the markets out there even though we start seeing a lot of risks on the table. Industrials, energy, potentially banks, depending on your time frame. I think that gives us a good balance on both sides. Are you? Are you comfortable? Blood pressure is still low, Dave. You talked about opportunities. So I yeah, yeah, that's. Want to make sure you're calm. I love opportunity too, Faisal. I just, you know me. We got to just balance it off with risk. And I, and I think uh, Andrew and his team does a, a wonderful job, and the research that they provide us um, is invaluable in helping us understand where those opportunities and the risks are. One quick question: We only about a, a minute and a half left before we have to go. Um, there are there's one there's one thing that you would tell investors or your peers that they're missing. They haven't, they're, they're not looking at this data the way it should be seen. What would you say is missing at this point in time? Well, I mean, when you look at the CPI data, you got to look underneath the headlines. Um, you, know, the, you know, the core PCE services excluding housing, if you can you know, decipher that, I mean, that's one of the two metrics that the Fed focuses on. And the drivers of, of that number uh, have been car insurance. Healthcare insurance on the downside. Right now, rent and cars use cars on the downside. As we go forward over the next couple of months, you're going to see car insurance move higher again. You're going to start to see healthcare insurance tick up. You're going to see rental pricing come down. Um, but it's so you've got to look underneath the headline as opposed to just the headline number. And I would suggest that the bulls on inflation that's just going to go away. Um, are not deciphering or disaggregating uh, the information enough uh, to what has enabled me to form an opinion that uh, inflation, again, down to three and a half is easy, but getting down to two, three or something is not going to be easy. It's not okay. going to be easy nope. getting down to 2% uh, uh, for sure. I agree with you, Andrew. I want to thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome, and thank you very much. And you have a great last day or two of the stampede. <laughs> Thanks. We've been joined by Andrew McCreeth, who's the CEO and the Chief Investment Officer for Forge First Asset Management. I think, Andrew, that, that sort of that very end comment, it's not going to be easy. There are some components here that it's not going to be easy. You have to be active. You're going to have to be nimble. And clearly, there's always opportunities and risk. It doesn't really matter Here's what Here's what I actually think is going to happen with the average retail investor. Uh, we've used this terminology a lot. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. They've seen a nice run up, and now they're going to start going, well, I got to get in. I got to get in. I've had money on the side. I've been defensive. I've been whatever it may be. Now they're going to come in, and it might be too late. Right. There is still risk on the plate. You may not get those big runs that you've seen in, in recent time. That's what we have to do. Don't forget our seminar on July 25th. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right. Thanks for tuning in for another edition. On behalf of Faisal and myself, Dave, we look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.